Hello and welcome back to another episode, another season, another season, another year of Stay Curious. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm here with my co-host, my friend, my pal, my co-worker, my opposite in so many ways, but my brother in so many more, <laughs> John Wagler. Yeah. How's your 2022 going, John? Strong start. Strong, Strong. start. Hey, did, did you watch Parks and Rec? Yeah. Every time we come on here, I just think of the Parks and the Pawnee radio oh, yeah. show. <laughs> this is Pawnee Radio. This is Pawnee Radio. <laughs> I could like stand to be a little more the like that, I think. Um, so here we are, season, what are we on? Season four, I think. Yeah. We're in 2022. Heading um, towards Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, so. that's right. Heading toward Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> 13 seasons later. Um, you guys still mostly just recommend episodes from the first half of the first season <laughs> based on our play counts, but that's okay. We're going to keep going. No, it's been great. We are so happy that y'all are back with us um, here in 2022. Um, I couldn't figure out why everyone had I'm Feeling 22, which is like a Taylor Swift thing. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's a Taylor Swift song from like 10 years ago, I think. And yeah, I, mean, a while I, ago, yeah. I didn't get it. And then I was like, oh, it's 2022. Got it. <laughs> Um, how is your new year going so far? I mean, I think it's fine. I mean, ultimately there's, uh, it it feels like the same stuff, Mm. you know, with COVID and all those things, but I mean, it's good. Like we've had a good start to year. It was like good end of the year with the Christmas and we had some COVID stuff with our family, but it was still fine, you know? And I don't know. Good start to the year. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling Um, refreshed. Are you? Did you get some some time off during the Christmas season? Christmas uh, a is couple busy of days. for church folks. It is, and then, you know, you know, part of what's hard, like especially leading the church, like I can't like turn my brain off. Yeah, you know, it's hard. Like it, the yeah. only way I could turn my brain off is if I had more. If like the first week is like a decompression, mm-hmm. the second week would be like, all right, I can turn my brain off yeah. for at least a little bit. But yeah. we didn't get that, so that's fine though. <laughs> Got a little bit of rest. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, Cool. Well, we are going to kick off the new year, the new season, um, talking about something that we promised you we would talk about at the end of last season and that folks have been pretty steadily asking about both in our personal lives, I feel like, Mm -hmm. just like friends asking. It's like a dinner topic conversation a lot. Yeah. But also like, are you guys going to talk about this on the podcast? Today, we are going to start what might be a multi-episode conversation about Another podcast. <laughs> Nothing like a podcast about a podcast. Um, and that is The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It is a podcast that was put out by Christianity Today last summer. I think it started then. Yeah. 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 So it's been out. It's been out for a while. It's finished. Yes. So they have, it is a completed story. Um, and it is about the rise and fall of Mars Hill Church in Seattle um, that was led by uh, Mark Driscoll, uh, who is, mm-hmm. I think, Looking back on it now, uh, controversial in his time, but has become more controversial <laughs> yes. uh, even now yeah. as we sort of revisited that. Um, no matter what we end up saying about it, it was a good podcast. Like it For was sure. well done. It was one of those kind of like The Chosen or like yes. even maybe beyond that of just like a piece of quote unquote Christian media or Christian centered media created by a faith based um outlet yeah that i think transcended the sort of like arc of like oh this is a um 
this is a Lifeway thing. You know, yeah. this is like yeah, I would yeah. give this to anybody to listen to and they would probably. Yeah, super well produced. Yeah, like just easy to listen. It reminded me of like when you listen to a Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Like anything he does, like it's yeah. so well produced. Yeah. And, and I so, mean, yeah. NPR could have put it out. Like yeah. StoryCorps could have put it out. Like it was yeah, well top done. notch. Yeah. Well done. Um, but we're going to get into sort of, that's the form. The form is great. It was, it was a well-formed thing. We're going to get into the content here shortly. Um, but before we do that, we are going to introduce a new segment for 2023. Stay furious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 2022. We're going to introduce a new segment for 2022 called Stay. Stay. Uh, okay, so this is something <laughs> we've been joking about for a while. Yeah, this is actually I will. I have to give credit where credit's due. I, I believe, and I could be wrong in this, but it was either Johnny or Maddie. That originally came up with the Stay Furious. Oh, really? Like we were in conversation, and it was actually over our house, and there was a few people hanging out, and someone was just talking about something that was making them so mad. And one of them, I'm almost positive, one of them said we should have a Stay Furious podcast. And so, <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of a play off of the fact that you and I tend not to be super emotional yeah. about the stuff we talk about or we try to like like we've always talked about how we give things time to cook. Yes, we make sure we're not like super riled up when we talk about things yeah um, we try to give things an even hand so this is sort of a juxtaposition to that <laughs> acknowledging that like there's no shortage of like loud create like crazy angry content Correct. in the world so we're not trying to necessarily pile on but we just thought it would be a funny sort of like nod to this ongoing joke about doing stay furious yes my hope is that we could maybe like this would be a good place to have like guests from our friend group, <laughs> yeah. like, come on, be on the podcast. Yeah, for like, sure. What's making you furious? So, John, yes. today, mm-hmm. for this first Stay Furious segment, what's making you furious? This is an easy one because it's made me furious for so long. And it's the lack, um, the, people's lack of ability to understand what it means to zipper merge. Oh, man. Where does it happen? So zipper merging, explain it really quick. Yeah, it's when you're on a highway and, you know, when one of the lanes gets built up because – Maybe the other lane shut down or something, right? And so everyone like immediately funnels into one lane, mm. creating a traffic jam. But um, the ma- I don't know, is it math? What would be the I don't know. What's the uh, genre? physics? Physical? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever the yeah. is yeah. Um, logic, just logic, plain just human logic. Your logic is that no, you don't do that. Everyone should stay in the lanes until they. Um, close off and then you just zipper merge one yeah. at a time one at a time yeah. that's the fastest way to get through it so i always stay in the open lane and i fly by people and um but it still angers me that they're all sitting there because i'm like you all should be doing the same thing and so just like learning how to like zipper merge it's i feel like it's you shouldn't be able to pass your driver's test unless you zipper merge nowhere in in my experience nowhere in richmond is this more felt because even when there's no traffic, you have to zipper merge than like the Bryan Park interchange. Oh, yeah. Like when you were 95 and 64. Because for those of you who don't live here, Richmond is a little weird in that it's not a giant. We're not like an L.A., Chicago, you know, size. It's not a giant city. But we do have the intersection of two very major highways mm-hmm. in the middle of our city. Yeah. And then, you know, by what, you know, there's like 195. I don't know what you call those expressways, I guess. Mm-hmm. They kind of. So um, the city is built around this giant, like, intersection of these two massive um, uh, highways. And so 
the zipper merge is super important. Yeah. <laughs> because it can literally be the difference between in Richmond there being no traffic or big city traffic. Yeah. For I feel like for years when I first moved here, I remember being impressed that like there was not big city traffic. For sure. Yeah. In Richmond. Now it's changed as the city's grown and people have forgotten how to zipper merge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my encouragement mm-hmm. would be when you see that little blinking arrow that tells you the lane is closing ahead. Or it says, hey, lane closure, a mile ahead, whatever. Stay in the freaking lane. Yeah. And ride it out until you get to the end yeah. and just zipper merge. Yep. And then just one. Yeah. And then somebody goes and then Let one. Let the other people be idiots and stay back. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's that's a pretty good one. That's yeah. a good one. Um, mine is probably just uh, COVID. I'm over it. <laughs> Super over it. Yeah. Uh, I am just – I woke up this morning and um, – Jenny and I had to cancel a big trip mm. um, that we had planned, which was like the big Christmas present for our children. Uh, we are still going to go on it this year, but like we were supposed to leave in like 10 days and now we're not. And I'm just like, can we not? And I'm not it, I'm not even saying I'm mad at like the way so-and-so is handling yeah, yeah. or such and such. I'm literally mad at COVID. <laughs> I'm just like. The virus itself. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember in like. I, I don't know, May of 2020 when we were just like, man, can't wait for, for August when this whole thing blows over. <laughs> like we are two – March will be two years, two right? Two years. I know. We are two years crazy. into this thing and I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just – I guess I'm just allowing myself to be furious about it. Yeah. Of, I try might to be well. keel because I don't know. It might, especially this round, you might as well just be mad about it. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that's where I'm at. I'm finally – like original, I was like, okay – Let's Take do what we got to do. Let's do what yeah. we got to do. Delta. I was like, okay, let you know. I can't. I canceled a big trip. I was yeah. supposed to go to a festival, music festival. Didn't go for Delta. I was like, okay, cool. Let's stay cool. Omicron. I'm mad at you. Yeah, <laughs> so over it. Especially because <laughs> like, it's like primarily just like a cold for people. I'm like, for a lot, that's of, what makes yeah. it worse. Yeah, you know, but it's like, and it's like still just enough. Like I'm still hearing just enough horror stories. Sure. That I ha- that I'm like. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I went a couple of weeks with everybody in my life. And of course, you know, that's anecdotal. I understand that. Don't don't yeah. tweet at me about statistics. But like I went a couple of weeks where everybody in my life was like, oh, yeah, it's it's OK. Like, you know, it's just the sniffles and I had a bad headache or whatever. Sure. And then just as I was like starting to be like, OK, there's just like one or two people that are like, oh, no, it wrecked me and I'm vaccinated and boosted. I'm just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm so over it. So. I know. I know. Can't wait for May when this whole thing is <laughs> over. <laughs> Man, May is going to be. Yeah. So also, great. the fact that it's like collapsing our infrastructure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so. Yeah. There's, like, I know. I sat in a. <laughs> I sat in a drive-through at Popeyes for 45 minutes. Oh my day. gosh. Honestly, for 15 minutes, it, I sat there for 15 minutes, and I was like, "Okay, something's going on." The other 30 minutes of the 45 minutes, I was like, I have got to get to the window and see what it looks like in there. <laughs> and it was wild. Like, I kept thinking, is someone just going to walk out and, like, walk up to the cars in line and just be like, hey, guys, like, we, can't we just can't. Yeah. We can't fill your orders. Just drive away. Yeah. Nobody did. And so for 30 minutes to indulge my, like, you know, I don't know, my my gross curiosity. <laughs> I was staying curious. I waited. The couple of things I noticed were the people who sped off, so the people who did get out of line, which there of which there were many. But it was interesting the people who didn't, because nobody stayed in the line and got angry. Like no one was honking or like looking out their window or getting out or anything. Yeah. The people that stayed were just like 
Hindu cows. They were so just like relaxed. <laughs> just like, so addicted to Popeyes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love a Popeyes. Um, and then finally I got up to the window and when I like handed uh, the woman my debit card, she just was like, no. <laughs> like not no, like sorry you waited in line so you're getting a free lunch, but like it'll be such a pain for me to run your card. Right. Just keep it and I'll get you your food. Yeah, no kidding. Got, definitely got a free lunch. Got handed the wrong lunch twice and then handed it back in, which actually in the state of Virginia is illegal. Not a lot of people know that. You huh. are not allowed to hand things to a anything besides money to a drive through person because there was like a drug thing. Interesting. Um, and uh, got handed the wrong lunch twice. And then like while the woman was looking at me, was like talking to me and the, right behind her was like the giant sweet tea dispenser. And there was just a cup under the spout just flowing <laughs> like she had, somebody had turned the spout on and forgotten about it. And it was just she didn't even care. She turned around and looked at it and then turned around and started looking at uh, me again. It was wild. It's crazy. I mean, customer service is down. Yeah. Well, in general. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, yeah, it is crazy. Actually, today I took my first COVID test. Oh, ever. First ever? Holy cow. Yeah. How was it? Is your nose okay? It was fine. <laughs> but I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, obviously it was negative. We're here, but. Um, I mean, you're lucky. The f- I took a bunch of them. That first summer, they were trying to get a piece of your brain when they took that thing. <laughs> I feel like we have honed it at this point. Yeah. But man, those first couple, the first two I think I took, brother, that nurse was trying to give me a lobotomy <laughs> with that with that uh, Q-tip. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's just weird to like, it's just weird to like drive up to, a, I guess this is kind of exposing me as like a fat person who loves drive through, but uh, <laughs> like drive to a Wendy's and there's just be a sign on the window that's like, nope. Yeah. No one's here. <laughs> you can't go to this one. It's and not closed. Bizarre. This location is not closed, meaning it's still a viable business. There's just no one working. So yeah. you can't come to this Wendy's. <laughs> Maybe that's a gift to us. Yeah, for me, you know I mean? I'll like, probably lose like 15 pounds. I know. Like it just, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, but, but it's just weird. Yeah. Or like the grocery store being out of stuff is yeah. so weird. It's like I had the thought the other day because um, there's this this show called The Americans. It's like about Cold War spies or whatever. It's a very brutal show. I wouldn't recommend it. But there's a scene in it where there's a woman from the States who like gets sent to Russia. She basically like defects kind of is forced to defect and so she's this American woman and she gets sent to Russia and they like set her up like they give her an apartment and they give her money and everything but then she goes to the grocery store and this is like 80s you know Cold War Russia and there's just nothing in the grocery store Mm -hmm. and she has to learn to like bribe the grocery store owner to get the things that she needs and it's not like it's not like it's just there's nothing there's just not enough for everybody (laughs) like I was at the grocery store the other day and like a whole aisle was basically empty. Yeah. And I was just like, we hated Russia so much <laughs> that we became Russia. <laughs> There's nothing in the grocery store. <laughs> oh, but anyway, I'm furious about COVID and apparently about the lack of inf- <laughs> the, yeah. like collapse of the American <laughs> infrastructure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we are going to go ahead and take a short break and then get into the meat of our next few episodes. Um which is us talking about the podcast and the surrounding cultural sort of ramifications um, and conversations going on around the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Y'all know we stay curious over here. Okay, and we're back. Finally ready to talk about the somebody else's podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mike Cosper. <laughs> 
That's the he's setting up franchises. He's like, how can I take over the other podcast? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, so I would say, I don't know, John, I'd love your opinion on this right off the bat. Do you feel like if somebody's listening to this and hasn't listened to it, that they could still get something out of the conversation we're about to have? I uh, yes, because I think there are some um, <clears throat> there are some general elements to this whole podcast that transcend just Mars Hill. Like mm-hmm. so, so for me, when I originally started listening to the podcast, I I did listen to it. Um, I felt like more on the ooh, what mm-hmm. actually happened? Yeah. You know, like that was like more my mm-hmm. feel to the first like couple of episodes, and then I had like something like kind of just like shifted me because I, I, I started feeling like mm, that's not the right way to <laughs> a approach this. Cause yeah. that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, but B I was like, all right, what are some things that like pull from it that are actually important mm-hmm. that can, um, because at the end of the day, when you listen to the podcast, you quickly realize that, um, yeah, the focus is on Driscoll and his leadership and what happened there. And there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but the reality is, is, if you really are honest with yourself in the podcast, you realize, oh, I could be a part of something like this. Yeah. And not, like you, no yeah. one's above it. Yeah. And so that that kind of realization like switched my mindset the last basically 10 episodes yeah. where I was like, all right, each episode I was kind of like, all right, what, what could I take from this as like a, hey, be careful as a leader? Or mm-hmm. is there anything in you that, um, you know, kind of – you know, resonates with this part, like, um, the branding episode. I don't remember which one that was Mm -hmm. like, but it might've been like four or five, but I remember listening to that episode and I was like, Whoa, right. If we had, I was like, man, if we had their budget, the temptation, the temptation to do probably some stuff would be there. And, and because of how I'm wired and I have a marketing background and all that stuff and love all that, I, I'm like, man, I, if you gave me a however million dollar budget to do marketing for our church, I could see where people do that. You know what I mean? And yeah. I could see myself being like, you know what else we could do? You know, and so that was like like an eye-opening thing. Yeah, and I think that that is something we should start with. Like whether you have listened to it or you're going to listen to it or you're just going to listen to us talk about it. I think something we can all agree on in health is that if the point is to see how you're not like those people – that's not good. Right. The point is to see how you are like them and be aware mm-hmm. and like maybe change something. Um, and that's – I think that that's also true. People who are into uh, this kind of like – there's a fine line between between voyeurism and interest. And people who are into things like true crime or like watching – like Jenny and I love watching documentaries on like cults and cult leaders mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, true crime or stuff like psychological breakdown of serial killers and stuff like that. All that stuff is kind of dark. I don't necessarily recommend it. But if you hang out with people in those circles who are like super into that stuff, they are very like intense about, hey, like this isn't cool. (laughs) We're like trying to learn something. Right. This isn't like you don't you don't like wear a T-shirt with this guy's face on it to like make your mom upset. Like this person's a monster and we're trying to understand how he got there. Yeah. Or like you don't you don't glorify this violence. You're trying to understand how it could have been you and like how you can live your life more cautiously. Yeah. Um. With with. Yeah. Anything like there was a the Nexium cult was like a thing uh, that there were a bunch of documentaries on or even like Fire Festival. You remember that was like oh, a yeah. documentary. Yeah. Yeah. The, the intent is always um, if you approach it from 
if you want to get something out of it, truly, is not look at these fools, glad I'm not like them. It should always be like, I mean, maybe I would have bought a ticket to Fire Festival. Yeah. Or like when you hear, like, I don't know, man. Like if I was that lady in her situation or that guy, I might have joined the Nexium like right, thing. Yeah, or like how yeah. how did I or like does that make sense? It does. It's like when people, you know, uh, you'll hear folks like complain about leaders or, you know, even just like simple stuff like they'll complain about like coaches mm-hmm. or whatever. Or, man, I can't believe that that celebrity spent that much money on this or that, you know. And I'm like, man, until you're in that position, you, I do think it's important to be like humble enough and aware enough to be like, man, you don't know. If, if if you can't handle the little things now, goodness gracious, if something big came your way, yeah. you know, and so I think part of with Driscoll and I mean, episode after episode was around that, that like, man, he had so much early success, which was actually problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really young, hadn't really like cut his teeth on anything yet. And and I think there was a level of such arrogance there um, that, man. It didn't. It wouldn't have mattered, small or big. He was gonna. He was gonna go this route. Yeah. It just happened to be big. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think one of the big questions that is interesting um, for us as so I think there's the individual level, right? Like, I definitely got to the point at the beginning of the podcast. I, I felt a little voyeuristic for sure. I but I was more interested in like I had never thought of. You know, I spent so much time studying and reading about stuff like the Desert Fathers or like the first century church or the, you know, the Reformation, stuff like mm-hmm. that. I'd never thought about the fact that there that non-denominationalism or evangelicalism like also has a history and also has a like, where did this all come from? Did it mm-hmm. just go from Billy Graham to Bill Hybels to Mark Dres- or, you know, whatever? Like, um, so the fact that they opened with like, here's what we're talking, when we talk about evangelicalism or non-denominationalism here's what we're talking about and they started all the way i think it was episode two they like kind of rewound back Mm -hmm. to basically basically billy graham or like even before that like just sort of american i don't want to say low church but like american non non non-denominationalism yeah baptism uh what do you call it like the the baptist movement and stuff like that yeah they were yeah they they peeled it back and then you know at a pivot point was really the Crystal Cathedral totally. was like a, a huge pivot point mm-hmm. in terms of how how the uh, evangelical church like began to shift and how to reach people mm-hmm. and bring people in. So, you know, it's funny, even like when people are like, see, this is why you need a high church model or liturgical church. And I'm like, you do realize the abuse that's happened in those areas too, right? Yeah. Or you do, you know, so I always, one of the things like listening to this podcast, I was like, man, you know, it doesn't matter if you're high church or quote unquote low church. It doesn't matter if you've got 56 elders or none. It doesn't like no matter how much structure or framework is there or isn't there. The reality is, is like everything will rise or fall um, on the character and integrity of the leaders. Yeah, truly. Because like, you know, we've seen this time and time again that. You know, people with like huge structure around them make horrible decisions or people with no structure on them make horrible decisions. And it it really goes to the character and integrity of Mm -hmm. the leaders. You know, even recently, um, you know, someone that we really have loved for, you know, a few years now, listened to basically everything he's put out, you know, is in the midst of a scandal. Yeah. And he, 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 if we were like, Hey, let's name a hundred pastors that are kind of have influence mm-hmm. who would be 100th on the list that you would expect to have something. 
it would probably been this guy, yeah. you know? And so um, I, you just, there's like a, you never know. And um, that it all keeps going back to the character and integrity of the leaders. Yeah. And I think, again, there's sort of the, the communal, how can the church do better? And then the individual, how can I do better when you're looking at a mirror like this one? Um, for me, I think it very much hit, I can't remember what episode it was. I think it was the episode where they finally reveal where the like yelling sound <laughs> clip came from. They're like, who the hell do you <laughs> think you are? Um, when they finally sort of like played that out. Yeah. Which by the way, wasn't good when he did that, but it's been really great. <laughs> to be able to just, just to walk to up say. to people and go, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it was around that episode where I was like, man, I felt convicted of like, how, how am I like this? Like, instead of how am I not like this guy? Cause mm-hmm. there's a million ways I'm not like this guy. But like, for me, it kind of all of a sudden came into focus of like, I am part of the way, part of it is like my background and like where I came from part of it is the way I look and like my kind of brand or whatever you know there's always a difference between the persona and the actual person right um, but I realize that I am kind of prone to straight talk with people in a way that is actually not helpful and mm-hmm. is actually more about making them feel like my edgy straightforward air quotes brand is telling them the truth and everyone else is lying to them um, like Driscoll did, you know, so I realized that like I have the tendency to in the right moment be tempted to go look and like maybe curse or something like, yeah, you got to quit with his bulls such and such and like, you know, shoot straight with somebody. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's like emotional manipulation. Mm-hmm. I'm if the, if they so I'm myself in the habit sometimes of building a brand of like, I'll tell you the truth the way it is. But once you become that person. You can start telling people lies and they sound like truth. Yeah. You know, I think that was a big thing with him was people let him and obviously I'm never going to be a proponent for like policing people's language and, oh, you you know, cursing and not cursing and yeah. all this other stuff. But at some point, a huge part of his sort of like massive gaslight of everybody was that people were like, yeah, he's like rough around the edges, but he tells it like it is. Like, yeah, I know he said a thing and it like kind of was uncomfortable, but like he's just giving it to you straight. Yeah. I realized that in myself. Yeah. And I had to, you know, I like promptly started to deal with it. And I I think I'm better for it now. Like I think that the the podcast kind of helped me um, take some of that out of myself. Some of that like they and they use the word punk rock a lot. Like punk rock people were attracted to him early on because he was aggressive and straightforward. Mm -hmm. And I realized that like I have a little bit of that still that like, oh, if I tell it to you and drop a curse word or not a dirty joke, but like an inappropriate, you know, sort of deemed by your grandma inappropriate line or something, then you'll know I'm being like real with you. And I was like, you know, sometimes I am being real. Sometimes I'm just like, look, this is the way that I say things. But most of the time, especially in a pastoral context, when I'm talking to somebody who hasn't known me for 20 years or something, I'm kind of it was I realized I was kind of putting on an act a little bit. Yeah. Um, And so I'm I'm thankful for. Um, this sort of like treatment of the story, at least up to that point, for helping me realize something about about myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's even like when, you know, someone's like, um, that's a really good point, because like you want someone's like, well, we would never use money in that way. And I'm like, how do you use your own money? I mean, like, seriously, like, if you're not a generous person with your own money, guess what will happen if you have other money to use? Like, you'll just spend it in the exact same way that they did. You know, like, so that's like a... Some stuff I think from this podcast that I thought was really important was like really having like self-reflection because even, you know, 
someone, uh, a woman I was talking to, she, she was like, I had this friend who was like, see, this is why I like, I can't go to church. And this is why this is like big churches always do. And I'm like, see, you can't do that. Because like that's it's not all big churches. Like there are small churches that this is the problem too. Mm-hmm. There are there are like so many things where this stuff is like so problematic, and I think it's important to take a step back and being like, hold on, like what are the real underlying issues that are happening here, and how do I see them revealed? Maybe even in my own life, mm-hmm. and what does that begin to look like? You know, and and I think it doesn't mean that you let the stuff go that Driscoll did, because like you shouldn't. There was so much pain and trauma, and goodness gracious, like yeah. people are really reeling from that. Um, and now he's pastoring again and whatever. But, yeah. you know, no, I don't think he should be let off the hook with that. So it's not about that. It's just like for ourselves, like in the midst of taking this stuff in, it's like, well, how does this begin to reshape how we think about leadership or my own life? Or, you know, to your point about, do I emotionally manipulate people yeah. in some kind of way? You know, I think that that part becomes, if we miss that part in this podcast, then you've missed actually the point of the podcast, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree 100 percent. And like even for people who are like, well, this is the reason that like, you know, I don't go to church anymore or whatever. I I get it for sure. Like that's I get it. But there's also a couple of different layers there. First off, you have to acknowledge that part of how he built his whole and I will refer to it on our podcast. You can push back if you want to, but I will refer to it as a grift. Like the dude's a grifter. <laughs> like he, I don't know if he started out a grifter or he became a grifter, but once they started getting into the like particulars about the books and stuff and like all the weird sure. sales numbers and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. I'm like, there's part of this that was a ministry and part of it was just a grift. Yeah. Um, and now he's grifting. Grifters be grifting, right? Um, <laughs> uh, part of his whole shtick was at first pooing on other churches on like big churches oh we're never going to be a mega church or like sure. i'm never going to be like this guy or yeah. i'm never going to be whatever like um whatever the hot mega church was at the time and so it's like when you say like oh the all big churches remember that that was like part of his line too yeah they were not big yeah and yeah. the other thing too is and i think this is for me probably one of the most encouraging things wasn't even the actual content of the podcast but the fact that this was the whole podcast was Christians examining Christians. Mm-hmm. Like it was Christianity Today put this out. It wasn't NPR. It wasn't Wondery. It wasn't, you know, name whatever giant podcast empire. And and worth noting too, Christianity Today, huge publication, not a huge like quote unquote podcast empire. Right. Yeah. Like this was really their first big thing. Yeah. And so I'm super like when we when we hear people with the sentiment about this podcast of like, well, this is why such and such is broken or why, you know, church is effed and I don't want to go to it anymore and like da 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 I would say, first off, they're hurt. So like, don't just fire back. Like you need to, you know, this is receive them in their pain and try to figure that out for that first. But you, you could always mention like, yeah, but like the church was the thing that made like the church, capital T, capital C is also the thing that's making the podcast and like, and bringing calling up it these out. things, yeah. calling it out. Absolutely. Um, and I think very much in a way where it it took a posture of like, this is all of our problems. I thought I felt so too. And I, I think that that's the part of what's missing in this conversation when someone says like, that's why I don't go to church. And I'm like, and they might have some really good reasons. You know, it might have been abuse or like severe trauma. And I and that, you know, obviously give people all the grace in the world for that stuff. But but then there are other cases where it's like, well, you're not going just because you don't want to. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, and, and you can use stuff like this as an excuse or whatever, but like, there's also like a lot of other churches that are actually not like this, yeah. you know? And there are a lot of people who are like, no, we shouldn't be like this. And like, and it is a beautiful thing that there are Christians calling out the Christians in this to be able to say, like, Hey, like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And the thing is, is like, um, you can blame this. I would say this, there's a systematic element to the evangelical church. Uh, and, and it's not just evangelical cause it goes beyond that. But you know, the, to the church system that has gotten corrupt at times, right? Like, so it's like when you put, um, if, if a leader puts the system over the spirit of God, mm. they will sell the gospel for profit. Yeah. That's basically what will happen. Yeah. Right. And then they hurt people along the way. And so I think it's important to like take a step back and be like, all right, what's actually going on here? What's really, what really is, you know, kind of at the crux of all of this stuff. And, and you can't just throw away going to church because the problem with that is the Bible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so because like even like you're actually in a study in Ephesians right now. And this week I'm actually preaching on in Ephesians three. It actually says that, you know, that the church becomes the the way that the fullness of God is represented and that the church actually speaks to the heavenly realms. Mm. You know, so like the church is a central piece of this. And so what I loved about it, about the podcast was that to me, they were fighting for the church Mm. yeah, and what it should be. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so now you could be like, well, they were like, you know, degrading, you know, I'm like, Mm. no, I mean, that's all stuff's all public and that like that stuff's brought to light and it needs to be. Mm. And, um, and so, but I, what I loved was that it was fighting for the church ultimately. Now I will say this and yeah, what do you not like about it? We've, we've kind of gushed a little bit. So yeah, I will say this. I was disappointed at the end Uh because, um, the reason why I can say, I think it's fighting for the church is because that can, I can have that perspective, but he didn't necessarily say that in the podcast. Okay. And I thought what he should have, I thought what, Mike should have done leading the podcast has had an episode of being like, Hey, this is the story of Mars Hill. And this could be the story of a lot of different churches and leaders, but we are for the church. We are loving people. We want the church to succeed. Here's why we need you to step in and be a part of the church. You know, I felt like it was like a little bit left. I think he had an opportunity to really minister to people. And, and I know it's like, it's a podcast. It's like a journalistic thing. And that's not the point, but I think, in the same way, if we're going to let the church call it the church, then you also have to um, recognize that the church is always in ministry. And so you can't, I don't think you can separate those two things. And so I, to me, he had a responsibility to do that, and he didn't do that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree with what you're saying. I didn't have that thought, but when you shared that thought with me, I was like, okay, yeah, I see that. I I didn't, I actually liked the end. Um Probably not the best. I mean, I, I think the beginning was super strong, um, and I, I I think that the end could have been different. But to me, I guess I just have empathy for him and his team mm-hmm. because you're right. Like when you're doing something under a Christian media banner, you're always trying to – again, let's bring up The Chosen. It's like it ain't biblically accurate. Sure. <laughs> like you can go into it being like this is not totally biblically accurate, yeah. right? Um, but it, it does a fairly good job of entertaining, engaging, but also I think ministering in some ways. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but also it ain't biblically accurate. Right. 
um, for for a journalist, probably even more so than a creative person who's doing something like a TV show. Um, I guess I just it, it's like for me when I'm at home, um, the worst thing that I can do I've learned <laughs> is try to play therapist with my kids and my wife. Like I'm there to be husband sure. and father. Now my experience in pastoring informs that, of course. And in the same way that my experience as a husband and father informs my pastoring and counseling, right? But like when I show up as pastor and counselor, when what is needed is dad and husband, mm-hmm. things, it, it, it kind of like gets stink on both rather than one helping the other mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So I, I would... I would understand if his response were to be like, I had to show up as a journalist and this is what a journalist does. I couldn't show up as a pastor or a minister. I'm not saying that's right, but I would understand if it was like a – in the same way that like there are times when I just have to show up as a husband and not try to counsel or pastor Jenny or just show up as a dad and not try to like be Cara to our kids, right? Yeah. Um, So I kind of – I get this – I get the tension of – what are these roles and how do they play onto one another? Not so much as like I'm either a Christian or a journalist. Like I'm a Christian and that informs the way I'm a journalist. Mm-hmm. But the tension between like – because he was – I mean Cosper was a pastor, right? Yeah. Um, the tension between like am I a pastor right now or am I a journalist? Yeah. I can feel that tension. I by no means would argue that he stuck it – you know, stuck the landing or stuck the balance. <laughs> sure. I hear what you're saying. But I, I guess I kind of like get it a little bit. Yeah. What were some other things that you – were there other like particulars or thing? I know we've talked about you not loving the landing. Um, what are some other things that you were like, mm, this could have been done differently? Um, you know, <laughs> there was like a little piece and I don't even – this is not even fair what I'm about to say. <laughs> um, you know, they they really put it to the Mars Hill folks about the branding and like the stuff that they did for marketing and making things slick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like – but that this podcast kind of did that too. Yeah, they were kind of doing what they were doing. <laughs> you know, so yeah. like I but I loved it. Yeah. I, I'm not even like slamming them for it. I'm like I there were a couple of times like I think there's some examples of where and we all fall into this. We're just got to be like um, you got to be like careful yeah. like when you're tra- like you're tearing something down but yet you're kind of doing it. Yeah. You know, and it's like just be careful with yeah. that. And I thought that that happened with the, in particular the branding episode. I was like I mean, man, this is the most overproduced podcast I've listened to. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, nah, I hear that. I was there anything for you? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, I think by merit of what it was. So, I think the form and the content, as you've kind of said, have tension. That wasn't always perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, nothing's perfect, but like, wasn't always the fact that you are like. There's sort of no way to do this podcast, or maybe there is, and I just, I just don't know what it is, but. How do you do a thing like this and make it voyeur proof? Yeah. You almost can't. Like there's can't. a guarantee that I saw a pretty repeated um, critique of the podcast by, you know, ex-evangelical kind of non-church, you know, ex-church people. One of the critiques was this podcast is the worst because it's basically just giving a bunch of other bad pastors the ability to go, well, at least I'm not like Driscoll. Yeah. And so that is a point. Like, you know, there, there's like how – how could the podcast simply by the form of being a well-produced um i don't know if fun to listen to is the word but like entertaining to listen to like how do you balance entertainment and education i guess is is part of the thing without making it boring and unengaged you know non-engaging 
Um, I don't know that there's a perfect way to do it. I, I know for me personally, I am the kind of person who almost trusts things that are unpolished better, you know, like more like I'm the kind of person who would love to have dug up this podcast and been like, oh, did you know about this like hidden gem that like totally breaks down what happened at Mars Hill versus like showing up to every dinner hangout, (laughs) the lobby at our church on Sundays and people just like rushing up to me to be like, oh, my God, did you hear the new? Yeah. Mars Hill. Um, But we're all drawn. I think the the rub there is like we're all drawn the story mm -hmm. and like there's. There's something to that and you yeah. can't get away from it. And, you know, they did a wonderful job of telling the story, yeah. you know, and producing the story. So for someone. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that we there's got to be some grace there for people sure. who are trying to, you know. Yeah. I mean, if anything, any negative feelings I had besides just like, you know, empathetic pain for the people that had to go through this, you know, it really personally kind of. Um, hit me in that I was so sure that I was above it, you know, like I was not involved in church world per se while this was, while he was kind of like on the rise, but I was working at a Christian record label. And so there was that, there was that connection between, you know, they, they use the term punk rock and that's a little cringy to use, but but like certainly music, like Christian alternative culture, Mm -hmm. tooth and nail records and, and, and cornerstone festival and all that, the, the link between that and him and the, um, the guy who was his creative lead was a guy that I didn't know personally, but like we were in the same sort of, you know, rooms a lot of the time. Um, his band actually was called 90 pound wuss. And I, it was one of the first CDs I bought when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. I really liked them. They were like a hardcore band. They were hard to listen to quite honestly. Um, but they were pretty in there. And, um, there was the other guy who was, or no, maybe it was just that one guy, but well, and then there was the guy from that band thrice, which was like a huge sort of emo screamo band, um, that was involved. And so I can remember when the whole thing was going down, Meaning like when they were really blowing up and things were happening. I can remember being at Cornerstone Festival or being at big shows and chit-chatting with people and it coming up, him coming up. Mm -hmm. And there definitely being like an excitement about like even having met some people that were like, oh, we're moving to Seattle. We're going to start going to Mark's church. And and I definitely always had the attitude of like – is that the like MMA Jesus guy? Like I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't seem – You know, Lisa and I talked about this. And uh, so we talked about a couple other people too that, you know, would you have gone, yeah. you know, and if we were in Seattle and I, and I said, I, I think I would, I mean, I did, I listened to him for a while. There, there was a point I, I probably lasted about a year and a half with him and, um, and then it just got to be too much yeah. for me. And, I, and then I just began to question a lot of different things, you know, this is a long time ago, but I would have gone in the big, like I would have mm-hmm. gone for a time because there is, and we, Listen, I think we should do a second episode just on like power dynamics and right. some different like For sure. leadership stuff and toxic elements. But there's a part of me though that was drawn to the calling stuff out and a little bit more on the aggressive side, yeah. you know, because there has for me there too often within the church world, a lot of times I'm like, just say it. Yeah. You know, just say what it is, you know, and um so I was drawn to that, you know, for a, a season. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. What years do you think that would have been for you? Can you guess? Gosh, I can't even remember. Yeah. Honestly. I'm, I'm trying to figure out if maybe, cause I can remember riding in the car with the owner of the record label at the time, our friend Daniel owns it now, but this is the owner at the time, the guy who started the label and he was, and he was pretty 
I remember him being pretty like stock up on Driscoll. And he was like, oh, yeah, you got to hear this guy. You'll love him. He'll like remind you of Henry Rollins. You know, he's just a real straight shooter, aggressive. And I was like, okay, cool. And we listened to, I think at the time it was like CDs, right? We listened to something and I was pretty automatically like, eh, eh. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Something about this just like isn't Jesus for me. Like, I don't want to learn about the gospel from a guy who I feel like would have crammed me in a locker. You right. Know? Um, which is superficial. I wasn't even picking apart his theology. I was just like, <laughs> guy seems a, like a lot and I'm yeah. not into it. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what that would have been like 2004 or five. So I might've heard him for the first time on the other side of like when he started to be a little too much. Yeah. I'm trying, I just, I don't know. I can't remember like how the, the timeline runs for him. I'd yeah. have to like do some research to be like, you know, when did a couple of his books come out? Because I remember that one marriage book that came out like before it, I had stopped before that book mm. for sure. Yeah. And, um, and then I'd have to like go back and, and re- cause like, I remember on the one episode when they were talking about, well, when we just did this with the website and doesn't mm-hmm. like, I remember that like, cause I was like, Holy crap. Like this church is so far ahead of everybody, yeah. you know? And, um, so I remember I was still like paying attention then. Yeah. I just don't remember where that falls, if that was like 2007 or eight or yeah. I, I don't know. I was also very in my Rob Bell bag at that point. So I was <laughs> like, very in, different. <laughs> in my head, I was like, oh, you're talking about the fake Marcel. You right. know, in my yeah. head, I was like the, oh, the Seattle Marcel, that's the fake one. Like, yeah. Because to me, the prime Marcel was Rob <laughs> Bell's Marcel. Um, but, you know, again, I went into it thinking like, I'm above this which I'm repenting of right now because I very much wasn't like, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us were. No, um, none of us are. Did both. I reject him outright? Um, yes. But, you know, I mean, I went to Willow Creek, <laughs> you know, and like went to a bunch of seminars and stuff and yeah. Hybels went down, you know, like I, um, we know people that knew him, that knew Driscoll. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think during this podcast, I had a crazy revelation that like, I was young, restless, and reformed at one point. Sure. Um, truly. Like I I was very into for about two or three years of my life this idea of like being aggro about theology, about like Calvinist theology mm-hmm. and like how everyone else was wrong and how this was just the way that the world – not only the world worked, but this is the way the kingdom of heaven works. Yeah. And like a lot – when they started talking about that whole – sort of like aggressive, very male reform thing, I think I kind of had the revelation of like there were a couple of years where like I was there and it was very driven by like – I always joke that being um, being a Presbyterian was like my last form of rebellion against my parents. <laughs> and uh, But looking back on it, I was like, you know, that's true. Even, yeah. And I was even reading some of the more what we would all agree to be more temperate, more like Keller and, and – sure. You know, I was reading that stuff, but I was taking it and wielding it in a very aggressive. I was sort of taking it and marrying it to my, like these guys did, my sort of punk rock, yeah. aggro, you know, vibe. And really, I think beating people over the head with it in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it like, again, a good thing about the podcast was it really led me from a place of glad I didn't fall for this thing to like, you know, how did you fall for it? Though? Yeah. Like in different ways. And, and how can you repent of that and kind of turn your mind away from that? So I was thankful for that, but it was also a little hard for me to realize, like, ooh, like, were there things that I also... I know. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
uh, before we sort of wrap up this episode, and I think you're right, like we should do another conversation on power dynamics. Some of the like, I would love to talk about some of the like invasive language that like I don't think any of us are totally free from um, the most of which was his insane ability to be like the elders can fire me whatever they want and then like in the same breath be like there's going to be a pile of bodies (laughs) under the bus basically saying like I'm adherent to the elders but also I'll murder all the elders I also want to talk about the evil of social media oh yeah yeah because this is really a great I mean kind of proto social media mm-hmm. um, uh, take on what it would then become. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, before we sort of move into that, into the next step, wrap this up and move into the next episode, do you have like a couple of bullet point takeaways? Do you have any like key sort of um, thoughts or ideas? You know, I think we've gone over um, so many of them. I, you know, one thought that I had that I actually wrote it down. I, um, while I was listening, I don't remember what, even what episode, mm-hmm. but I just wrote it down because I have it here in my computer. It just says, why do we always need a king? Mm. You know, like, and, and why is Jesus never enough? Yeah. You know, and and I wonder how much that is revealed in our lives, you know, and because um, like that kept manifesting itself so much because so much of what was going on there was like so like anti what Jesus actually taught, you know, but yet there were like literally thousands of people just rallying forward with it. And I'm like, man, there's just, that is part of our story, isn't it? Like even going back obviously to Israel, you know, like there's like, it's just part of the story um, that we always just want a king like we see in, in a normal empire, mm-hmm. you know, and how that bleeds into the church. And and I think, um, and we can talk about this in the next episode, but the other thing um, is that prosperity culture is more woven into the church than anyone cares to admit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, um, that idea of like success and what happens in that, you know, like God was blessing them because they had 10,000 people. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a reality, you know? Yeah. I think even, even if those 10,000 people weren't tithing, just the idea that you're, you're gauging what God's blessing is based on quantity over quality. Correct. Is a prosperity gospel of its own. Yeah. So. Is there anything that you feel like as a result of this podcast has changed for you or for our church? Um, you know, I think for me personally, which probably just means it bleeds, you know, over yeah. into, you know, one of the things I was thinking about at one point was like, I, there is nothing that I do that saves anyone. And there's nothing that I do that draws anyone to Jesus. You know, the spirit of God does that in people. Mm-hmm. And I have just been um, overwhelmed by that reality since the podcast started was just the, you know, the truth of that the spirit of God needs to inform our strategy and our decisions and our creativity. And that without that, that will always veer off into like a place that God never wants us to go. And so just the importance of having that kind of humility and like realization. Um, and even not, I don't even say this anymore, but like, just even like if someone says like, I led someone to Christ, I'm kind of like, ah, yeah, we didn't though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're part of it. You know what I'll, and I let might be semantics, but like, they're just, I don't know. Like yeah. that piece is like resonated with me on a deep level. And even in like just 
from a leadership level. And what do you feel like as a leader is the difference between, um, like, how do you keep that honest? Because there's a lot of this that was just like, he really got, Driscoll really got into the like, I know because God told me so. God told yeah. me this. God told yeah. me that. How do you as a leader sort of check the actual move of the spirit, or at least the best we can approximate, yeah. against like, I thought a thing while I was praying, it must have been the spirit, so now we're doing this. Yeah. Well, I think there are a couple of things. One, you have to measure it in terms of um, even how you approach it. So like if, if you know, we've talked about some dreams I've had before. Yeah. And the way I always approach it is like, I don't know. Right. Like I don't, I don't know if this was or wasn't. Like I just, I want to share it. And so you guys, so you not hear it. So like maybe we make a decision a year from now based on this. I don't know. Like even like the, our whole entire discipleship stuff was that stemmed from a dream. Yeah, you've said that before. Do you know what I mean? And but at the start when we started talking about it, I'm like, I don't know what this means, but like let's can we start having this conversation? Now I will say the fruit of that have been like, all right, I do believe God was in that, you know, because man, we've seen so much fruit come out of this in such a powerful way. So I think that those things become measuring sticks. I think there's also um, you know, I don't make any unilateral decisions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So we always want to just keep putting things out there for people to take in because, um, you know, one of the things that we said, you know, I said to the staff not that long ago, I was like, hey, I just always want us to have this ability in our staff to be like, that doesn't feel right or sound right. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we're like, got this idea, we're like, ah, yeah. because that should be like a spirit check of like, wait, are we just doing this because we can? Or, we, or is there like really something here that we're being led by? Yeah. And I would test it as part of the staff. I would testify to the fact that, of course, you're sitting here. So, of course, I'm going <laughs> to shine you up. But <clears throat> I would testify to the fact that I am constantly afraid of it happening. But that's because of past work trauma. Sure. But my fear has never been realized of me dissenting or saying something or or saying this doesn't feel right or I have a question about this. I have never had the experience of then being pulled into the office by you or Joe or you and Lacey or Cara or any of the other leadership and being like, I'm worried about you. We need to pray about this. Mm-hmm. You know, like how sure. he kind of had that way of the second somebody dissented or the second somebody had a question, they would get pulled into the office and be like, God told me that you need to chill yeah. out or you need to take your wife to check her into therapy or right. whatever. Yeah. Like, I think that that can be such a um, insidious and like, seductive thing and I've never experienced it here. So I think that that is one of the ways that I'm able to indicate like, because even though you and I are friends, you are the leader of this church and I am a person who inherently doesn't trust (laughs) authority. So I'm always going to have the attitude of like, well, you know, John or Lacey, you know, said like, well, I feel like the spirit's moving or I heard this or I dreamt this. My instinct is always going to be like, yeah, but like, you know, it's that. And, and yet, I've never seen any negative fruit play out from yeah. it. Um, and that's probably why I put it out there too. Cause it's yeah. like, I don't care if you like your natural bent is descent or whatever, you know, because I'm, I also want there to be a reality of like, Hey, all right. So Matt just said this, like, he's like, I don't know, maybe that's not right. I'm like, okay, well let's just take that in and let's wait. Yeah. You know, and see yeah. like what transpires and if some other things come together and cause maybe he's right, yeah. you know? And so I think that, that's important for all of us to be able to do. Yeah. So I think it's it's played out, and I think it's important for people in our church, and I think it's important for people to know it hasn't played out just because you've said it played out. But, like, we can you can verify, right, by the good fruit of the rest of the staff that, yeah. like, we have not had the experience of 
you know, I said a thing and it, and it like went unchallenged in yeah. the moment, but then I got pulled aside later. And I was like, <laughs> well, God told me that like you're sinful and you need to repent yeah. or whatever. Um, so that's good. That's good. Um, well, let's go ahead and sort of wrap up for today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will pick back up continuing this conversation and getting more into some of the specifics of, like you said, power dynamics, how um, how can we be aware of those things, and also just kind of breaking down beyond the particulars of this podcast, what we learned from it and how we can move forward. Um, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, hopefully you have enjoyed the conversation enough to rate and review us, maybe share it um, so that other people can get in on the conversation. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. Um, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Um, and as always, whether you do that stuff or not, we want you to remember to stay curious. curious.